Welcome, everyone. This is No Need to Argue with Kobe Wittick. All right, everyone. Welcome to No Need to Argue. I am your host, Kobe Wittick. It is September 24th. We have Monday Night Football tonight with the Pittsburgh Steelers going down to visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the undefeated Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Fitzmagic. So we'll be talking a little bit about that game and uh, we'll have that uh, starting here in just about two hours. So wanted to just kind of get on and talk to you all about this week in the NFL. Uh, a lot happening on Thursday and yesterday. So uh, many things to get to. Definitely check me out on Twitter at no need two a no need number two a. And uh, I have some polls and some different things up, so you can go ahead and. Check me out on there, send me a tweet, let me know how you like the show, or if you don't like the show, either way, don't matter to me. I appreciate all feedback. So, getting into this NFL weekend, week three. Hey, there's the bell. You know what time it is. You gotta be kidding me. Tiger Woods. You know, last week, remember, we were talking about all the scenarios of how Tiger Woods could win the FedEx Cup. And it almost happened. I mean, gosh, the way Tiger played. Have you ever seen any occasion in sports like Tiger Woods walking down the 18th hole? Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? I mean, him and Rory McIlroy were walking down 18, and every single person who was at the golf course yesterday was either in front of waiting for Tiger Woods or behind chasing Tiger Woods. People were running, trying to get as close as they could. Pictures, chants of Tiger, chants of USA just rained across the entire golf course. And him and Rory just couldn't help but look at each other smile, laugh, take in the moment. I mean, as they approached the green, Rory kind of ran away to give Tiger the spotlight. And he was probably worried for his own safety with the trampling of people behind them. I mean, there wasn't enough security and people there to try and keep the crowd back, to try and keep them under control. Tiger said in his interview afterwards that, you know, it was hard for him not to get choked up and cry. And I, I tell you what, I don't know if I could have held it together in that moment. If I had that many people so excited for this comeback, for this victory of the Tour Championship that he was approaching, for the run that he made to finish this year and give so many golf fans hope for next year, I mean, you have to just marvel at it. It was incredible to watch how he continued to play Every single hole, just level-headed. He never got too up. He never got too down. When he bogeyed, he was straight-faced, got to the next hole, tried to make up for it. When he birdied, he wasn't super excited. He wasn't joyous in any way. He was level-headed. He knew, hey, that's just this hole. You got to play the next one now. And it led to a tour championship victory for Tiger Woods. I mean, what an incredible story. It was so much fun to watch. I mean, especially, 
you know, after the Broncos lost, it was just great for me to take in Tiger and what he was doing, what he was accomplishing. I mean, congrats to Justin Rose. He ends up winning the FedEx Cup by parring the last, or by, I'm sorry, birdieing the last hole and getting to that tie for third that he needed to finally win. And it was just, you could tell, you know, Justin Rose was so happy to win and so relieved to win. But I mean, he looked at the camera afterward as he was walking off the green. He looked at the camera and said, sorry, everyone. I know who you were rooting for. I mean, he knew. He knew everyone there wanted to see Tiger win the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup, the comeback, and you know just the underdog story that it would provide for a not-so-underdog golfer in the history of golf. And Justin Rose, you could tell. You know, I mean, you you could almost see that he maybe felt guilty in a sense for winning because he knew how disappointed everybody was when he did win. But I mean. You know, hats off to him. He did what he needed to do. Didn't play the best golf yesterday, you know, but he, he did what he needed to do. When it came time, he put in, you know, the shots and the putts that he needed to to take this victory, win the FedEx Cup, put it on the mantle next to his other trophies, next to his Olympic gold medal. And I just hope that he uh, he cools off before the Ryder Cup next week because it is going to be it is gonna be a heck of a matchup going on. And I hope that Tiger really becomes the forefront to our Ryder Cup USA team and shows these young bucks that I still got it. I'm going to lead us to victory. We're going to take care of business in France. So I'm really, really hoping for that. But Tiger Woods, you got to be kidding me, man. What a job in the Tour Championship. Just came in, led from the get-go, took care of business. Spectacular play. You got to be kidding me. NFL. Roughing the passer rule change you gotta be kidding me the rule was put in place to help protect quarterbacks that have already released the ball or who have a defender going low at their knees and ankles i understand you got to protect these quarterbacks they're the highest paid player on every single team well just about every single team And they are the franchise. Everyone knows you have to have a good quarterback to win the Super Bowl. There have been times in the past where you haven't needed the greatest quarterback to win Super Bowls. Defense wins championships. I'm a firm believer. It's still true today. But in today's NFL, you got to have a quarterback that can make plays, that's smart with the football, that doesn't turn the ball over, and that can win you games at the end when time is needed. But Let's be honest, NFL. I mean, come on. I already had a rant. If you've been listening, I had a rant a couple weeks ago about the NFL rules and player safety and what they're trying to do and how they're changing the game in a negative way, trying to perceive the notion that they are all about player safety. The problem with that is that people watching football do not... Watch football because it's the safe, entertaining game. People watch football because of the violence, because of the hits, because of the entertainment that that violence gives us. I played football. I knew the violence of this game. I knew when I went across the middle and I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't tight on my route, there was a chance I was going to get hit. And I've had many snot bubbles 
in my days playing football where I got clotheslined and blindsided going across the middle on a passing route. You know what I did? I got up. I shook it off. The times I got injured, I sat out, I healed my injury, I did my treatment, and I got back out on the football field. If you don't understand the dangers that this game will bring upon you, then don't play the game. Don't go in to the NFL expecting to get paid all this money with no risk involved. There's a reason why you get paid all that money because you do things that people, everyday people, cannot do. You can make plays. You have athletic ability that normal people do not have. But accept the risk that comes with that. Okay, There's going to be injuries that take place. There's going to be things that happen. And as a franchise, you have to understand that as well. When you come to contract negotiations and things that take place and stuff that is in those contracts per injury or per you know bonuses and different incentives and those types of things, understand that this is a violent sport. Injuries are going to happen. But the risk that the NFL is taking with all these rule changes last year and this year and the ones that they're going to continue to make is just going to deflate the fan base from wanting to watch this game. It's not the same game that people fell in love with. It's not even the game that I fell in love with a short time ago. It's just ridiculous, the things that they're putting in place. Tyrone Crawford, I'm watching the game yesterday. Seattle Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Crawford comes in as clean as you possibly can, puts a clean hit on Russell Wilson, lands on him. Do you understand that you like want to land on people when you tackle them because that assures yourself that you are tackling them, that they're not going to get away? If you land on top of them, you know that that person is down. You successfully made a tackle. And they call roughing the passer because he put all or most of his body weight on Russell Wilson. Oh, gosh. I know that had to have hurt. A football player that had the whole body weight of another football player on top of them? That's absurd. That's unheard of. Oh my gosh. Can we please make sure that when you tackle the quarterback, you're falling to the side or or that you fall in a way where your body is not on them? What if you drop kick them? That's not your body weight, right? What if you do the people's elbow? You know, what if you go in and you're like the rock and you do the people's elbow on them? That's just your elbow. It's just your arm. That's not the whole body weight. Can we please, please be careful? Absolutely ridiculous. You got to be kidding me. What this rule has done. Clay Matthews has been called on it twice. Aaron Rodgers came to the defense of Clay Matthews saying that it was ridiculous. Troy Aikman was announcing the game with Joe Buck on Fox yesterday when the penalty happened against Tyrone Crawford, and Troy Aikman had to hold back from going off on the NFL for this rule and how ridiculous it is. NFL's got to look at this. You've got to look at this. Quarterbacks are still football players. If you want to protect them so badly, then why don't you put a rule in place where the quarterback cannot run the ball past the line of scrimmage? How about that? The quarterback cannot put themselves in danger by running the ball past the line of scrimmage. As soon as the quarterback does, the ball is automatically called dead. How about this? Why don't we put the quarterback in a cheerleader uniform back there? 
That way, you know when you're approaching, something doesn't look right. He doesn't have on pads. I can't touch him. And we'll just two-hand touch the quarterback if you get close. Oh, go for the ball. Go for the ball. Go for the ball. There's more injuries that could happen with a player going for the ball and attacking the arm, elbow, and shoulder of a quarterback than tackling the quarterback. You want to talk about ending a quarterback's career? Go after the ball and catch them just right as they're trying to power release a ball downfield and catch that AC joint. Tell me that's not going to be a worse injury than the entire body weight of an NFL player landing on top of another NFL player. You got to be kidding me. Uh, Okay, next up, my Denver Broncos. You got to be kidding me. I talked about it last week. Going to the East Coast did not do well for us last year. And this year, same exact thing happens again. We go and we have the best start to the game that you could possibly ask for. A blocked punt, you get the ball inside the 10, you make one play, you rush it in for a touchdown where Royce Freeman goes untouched. And after that, the story unfolds. Denver Broncos. 13 penalties for 120 yards. You got to be kidding me, Broncos. How undisciplined are you to have that many penalties? The way that they came in the worst moments when we needed plays the most and penalties pulled everything back. Blocked field goal, returned for a touchdown, brought back for a block in the back. By Pecco, who wasn't even near the play, blocking a guy who never in his lifetime would ever catch Harris running the ball in the opposite direction. 39-yard play, Demarius Thomas. What comes back? Holding. Come on, you guys. you got to be more disciplined. you got to be ready to make plays and understand the situation that you're in when the game is going on. Understand that you're in that game in the first half. You're in that game. You were leading in that game for majority of the entire first half, especially first quarter. And undisciplined football, unawareness of the situation cost us greatly. The penalties have got to stop. 13 penalties for 120 yards will never help a team on the road against another very good team especially when our offense can't get anything going, and as soon as it seems like we are, there's penalty after penalty after penalty. you got to be kidding me, Denver. All right, last fun one I have here. I mean, what more can you say? Minnesota Vikings. you got to be kidding me. Last week, we have the kicking fiasco and the tie to the Green Bay Packers after your miraculous comeback. You bring your record to 1-0-1, oh, and, and week three you go up against statistically the worst team in the NFL after two weeks in the NFL. And what do they do? They go out there and they lay an egg. They absolutely lay an egg. I mean, they couldn't do anything right. I mean, the statistics passing are there just because they had to the entire game. But Vikings, you got to be kidding me. I mean, you're shut out for most of the entire game. You have arguably the best defense in the NFL, and you give up 27 points to the Buffalo Bills, who were almost shut out in week one by the Ravens. 
And Josh Allen comes in, gets his first start, seven incompletions, 196 yards passing with a touchdown. I mean, showed poise, looked good, controlled the offense, made some plays when he needed to. And that defense just, oh my gosh, came in and took care of business. They got the one interception. They got four sacks on Kirk Cousins. I mean, you got to be kidding me, Vikings. You can't even blame this one on your kicker. I mean, you have a team in the NFC Championship last year. You feel you're a quarterback away from getting to and possibly winning the Super Bowl. So you bring in Kirk Cousins, someone who's never done anything in the playoffs, pay him $84 million guaranteed, and in week three, you have a 1-1-1 one, one, and one record with an absolute ridiculous showing against the Buffalo Bills in week three. I, I mean, I, <laughs> come on. I, I don't even know what to say. And you're at home. I, I, uh, you got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Okay, moving on. The other 0-2 team that beat not only an AFC championship participant last year, but the Super Bowl participant last year. I'm sorry, I called it. Last week, my upset pick was the Detroit Lions. And what did the Detroit Lions do? They give it to the Patriots last night. I mean, absolutely just stuck it to them. I mean, Tom Brady was doing nothing in the first half. Matt Patricia, as I said, was going to have some real clever things dialed up for this team, and you know he wanted this win, oh, so badly. So badly to go 0-2 in his first two weeks as an NFL head coach And in week three, he gets the New England Patriots coming into Detroit and just stuck it to them. They couldn't rush the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. I mean, Tom Brady ended the game with 133 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 133 yards. Tom Brady can do that in a quarter, and that was his entire game. And what about the Lions' rush attack? I mean, Kerryon Johnson has 100 yards rushing. The first time they've had that since Reggie Bush played for the Lions. LeGarrette Blunt rushed for 48 yards. I mean, it, it was just all over the field. Matthew Stafford was passing to just about everybody he could. Everyone had a good game. I, I, they just looked great. I mean, they looked like a completely different team from the first two weeks. And I don't think Detroit is going to be a monster. I don't think that they're going to, you know, they could possibly make the playoffs, but I don't see it happening. But if Matt Patricia could choose one game to win in his entire first season as an NFL head coach, I can almost guarantee you that last night was that one game and he got it. So congrats to Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions what a game they had, and the New England Patriots after week three are one and two. They don't look very good. Last two weeks have not been good at all. We're going to see what happens with this. It's going to be uh, quite a saga for the New England Patriots, as it always is every year. But they got Tom Brady, so I'm, I'm not ruling them out yet. Moving on to the first game of the week, Cleveland Browns, New York Jets. I mean, you couldn't write a better 
ending to the way that game played out. Tyrod Taylor comes in, doesn't look good at all. He's 4-14 for 19 yards. He comes up, you know, a little slow on two or three plays before he leaves the game officially with his injury. And Baker Mayfield steps in. Now, I don't know if Tyrod Taylor, you know, was really, really hurting enough to leave the game. If it was something that, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he was faking it. I, I don't know. You know, he was having a really bad game. You know, maybe he just wasn't feeling it. And he's like, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to take myself out. I have a few, few things that are bothering me right now. You know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to leave this game where it is because I don't know if I can come back from it. If if that was the mindset, Tyrod, I would have fought through any injury I had going on because you have to think that as soon as Baker Mayfield got his shot, you were going to be riding the pine pony for the rest of the season. And that has taken place. Today, Cleveland Browns officially named Baker Mayfield as their starter, but I think everyone in America and especially everyone in Cleveland knew as soon as he took that field on Thursday, this thing was over. And Baker Mayfield was going to be your starter for the rest of the year. And for him to come back, they're down 14-3 to at halftime. And for Baker Mayfield to step in, play the way that he did, the passes that he was making, the plays that they were just moving right down the field, I mean, it was special to watch. And I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan. I'm not going to stand here and say this, that, or the other about him. But I tell you what, on Thursday night when I was watching... It was just spectacular to see Baker Mayfield come in, the leadership, the poise that he had, and the way he commanded that offense was it was just fun to watch as a football fan. It really was. He had six incompletions, passed for 200 yards. He set up everything that he needed to and had some, I mean, hellacious passes to Jarvis Landry and a few others, and a heck of a catch by Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, they're leading into the end zone. But it, it was just, it was really, really fun to watch Baker Mayfield. And the best part about the game is when Baker Mayfield took the field, you could kind of see Sam Darnold for the Jets go, oh, shoot. You know, now it's going to be number one pick versus number three pick. You know, who's going to pull this game out? You know, what's going to take place? And you could just, I, I, I don't know. I was just watching as a spectator, and I just kind of saw Sam Darnold, you know, deflate a little bit when Baker Mayfield took the field, started making plays, and the crowd just came alive. And I think that, you know, Baker Mayfield kind of kind of showed and put on the map that, you know, Cleveland is a good team, as I've been saying. They're going to compete this year. They're going to win games this year. And really, really revitalize that fan base in Cleveland because he's going to be fun to watch. He's going to make plays. I hope he stays healthy just for, you know, the Cleveland fan base and for Baker Mayfield. But what, I mean, just what a performance for him to come in the way he did. It really was special to watch. Um, I mean, looking at the NFL after week three, I mean, what more can you say as we talked about last week? Dolphins 3-0. and and everyone else in that division is one and two. I I mean, kind of crazy. The Raiders, 0-3. I mean, Chucky hasn't been able to get a win yet this season, even though they've shown very good play and led in all three games that they've played in. Uh, I mean, it's wild. You look at, you know, the Titans beating the Jaguars yesterday in a field goal frenzy. 
I mean, the Jaguars, the way they played last week against New England, everyone was ready to just, you know, give them the throne and say, hey, represent the AFC well in the Super Bowl. And then they lose to the Titans 9-6. to I mean, neither team could get anything going. The Jaguars' offense was non-existent. Just unbelievable. And then the Eagles, you know, the return of Carson Wentz and the way that he played and coming out with the victory. You know, the Rams 3-0. and I mean, the sad story of the weekend is, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. You know, ACL tears, what's expected, nothing's for sure yet. Uh, you know, the shootout in Kansas City that him and Patrick Mahomes were having. I mean, just, you know, kind of crazy to see what happened there and, you know, how well he played last year and what he was going to do for the San Francisco franchise this year. And now they, you know, possibly are looking at him being done for the rest of the season. I mean, you know, tough break for, you know, Kyle Shanahan and and everyone there in San Francisco. Uh, You know, the Bears, my lock pick going up against the Cardinals and the Cardinals had him on the ropes Josh Rosen comes in for the final drive and isn't able to get it done, and the Bears take a victory. They're 2-1 and one and now leading the NFC North, the NFC North that has the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and the Vikings in it after how the last year went. I mean, it's just unbelievable the games we had, the Saints and Falcons going to overtime, and the Saints have Drew Brees jump over the pile to win it in overtime. I mean... What an ending. The statistics that were put up in that game. I mean, I was playing (laughs) in fantasy this week. I was playing someone that had Matt Ryan on their team. And thankfully for me, Matt Ryan was on their bench. Oh, gosh. Five touchdowns, 374 yards, no interceptions. And they had him on the bench. Whew. Did I look out there? And did Calvin Ridley... Have a show-out performance. Seven catches, 146 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, just the Alabama receivers over there. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley just tearing it up for Matt Ryan. And the game that he has, and they lose it in overtime to Drew Brees and the Saints. Uh, It's just an unbelievable weekend of games. The Broncos, I'm upset about the loss. Philip Lindsay gets ejected for defending his teammate on a pile over a fumble that occurred. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Philip Lindsay is such an awesome player, such a good guy. He went to the defense of his teammate that got speared in the pile late that wasn't called. Philip Lindsay goes in there, starts throwing, you know, haymakers at the guy and gets tossed out of the game. I'm not saying that if he was in, we would have won, but it would have been nice to see him at least be in the game and help that stagnant offense, uh, you know, that the Broncos had going for most of the entire game. But I mean, just, you know, tough to lose him that early. You know, I know that he's going to come back fired up for Kansas City next Monday night, but I mean, the Broncos, they just looked unprepared. It was unfortunate. You know, they go out there, they have the best start to a game you could possibly ask for, and they just they looked unprepared the whole rest of the game. It was like if we didn't get that break of a blocked punt and the quick easy touchdown that we got, I mean, we might not have even scored 10 points in that game. You know, to not even get into field goal range with all the penalties that took place, just undisciplined, unprepared football team is what I saw yesterday when I was watching the Broncos. And Vance Joseph really needs to get 
things together, get this offense on track, because he can't afford many more of these games. I mean, especially if they're losses. You know, last year, you know, John Elway had to sit back and go, you know, well, it's going to be a tough decision. And, you know, he had a lot of time to think about it and decided to keep Vance Joseph for a second year and give him a second chance and one year under his belt to kind of learn from himself and what took place last year. But I tell you what, they better come out and they better play hard and they better look good against the Kansas City Chiefs next week. Because if not, it's going to get real ugly in Denver, Colorado real fast. And if we get embarrassed by a divisional opponent on national TV when we're at home, you better believe Vance Joseph is going to be on the hottest of seats moving forward. And there's no need to argue about that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm going to have an episode coming out this week. I'm going to have my brother Tanner Wittick joining me. We're going to be talking about next week's matchups, especially the Broncos in Kansas City with Pat Mahomes coming to town. And we're going to have a blast just kind of talking football and everything that took place. So thank you guys so much for listening. Definitely have a great day. Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you all so much for listening again. Until next time, I'm Kobe Wittick, and there's no need to argue about that.